Hi, everyone, and welcome to the ASU GSV podcast. I'm thrilled to be joined here today with Matt Glickman, the founder and president of Promise Studio, a nonprofit venture studio supporting entrepreneurs in the early childhood space. Matt is also the founder of Baby Center and Merced Systems and a professor at Stanford Graduate School of Business. Matt, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Julia. Uh, so to get started, today's conversation is really around early childhood. So I'd love for you to sort of frame up the issue of early childhood. Why is it so important? Why is it something that really everyone should um, have on their minds? Right. It's a great question because we'll get more into what Promise does. But since I've been back in the early childhood field and particularly working on the social impact side of early childhood, when I tell people I'm working on innovation and entrepreneurship in early childhood development or early childhood education, the look I get is always this scrunched face. Like, what, what is that and why? And what's funny is I've worked in education as well. I know you, you know, many of the listeners probably are in the field, you as, as well. And if I said I was working on innovation in education, mm-hmm. I think people kind of know by shorthand, oh, yeah, you want to help everyone live up to their full potential mm-hmm. or you care about trying to reduce, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the gaps and, you know, opportunity gaps. And that's really the same reason um, uh, you know, the same issue in, in early childhood. I would argue even more so. If you look year over year of, you know, the development, particularly brain development, the early years matter year for year more than they do in you know, sort of the K-12 system and beyond, not to take away at all from the development needs to happen, that ha- needs to happen there. But there just hasn't been as big an emphasis early on. And if you look at the science, the foundations for really your lifelong trajectory are are based more in the early years than we knew, you know, a little a little while ago. And it's not just about brain development means cognitive development. It's uh, brain development contributing to you be uh, you being a functioning adult in relationships, a contributing member of society, and even having a healthier life because some of the stress elements in early childhood can continue on for a whole life. Yeah, it's interesting to think that education normally starts at age three or five, mm-hmm. depending on if you go to preschool. Um, and yet so much of development happens before there's any sort of formal education. Right. And I think that's why people say once you explain it, they kind of get it and they may have heard the science is starting to get better known. So people say, oh, yeah, I I get it. So the question is, why don't we focus more there? And I think it's that it just takes the public imagination a long time to turn. Again, back to the education world, I'm old enough to barely remember when the Nation at Risk report came out in 1983 and we realized the importance of education. And so even though this kind of evidence of the importance of early childhood and the science has been around for a couple decades, it hasn't really um, sort of percolated into the mainstream yet. Um, in some ways, you helped make that shift or started making that shift back in 1996 when you co-founded Baby Center, mm-hmm. uh, which rose to become one of the, the actually the world's number one digital parenting resource. Um, and it's one of the few companies from the sort of first generation of the Internet that is still really prominent. Um, eight out of 10 mothers expecting mothers still use baby center. I found myself, I have a one-year-old, as you know, (laughs) she turned one yesterday, actually. Um, Oh, congratulations. Thank you. you. I know it was was basically my celebration, not really hers. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) We're alive. Everyone's alive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I found myself on baby center, uh, actually all the time over the course of, of, before she was born and then over the course of last year. Um, So I'd love to hear, you know, how did you come to start baby center? What was the, what was the genesis of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because baby center is what 
you know, why I'm in the early childhood world now. I wasn't exposed to it before, like most people. That's actually when I first learned about all of this brain research. But this was back in the mid-90s, and really, I, a friend of mine and I were just looking around for, we wanted to start a company and grow it, and we were looking at lots of different eras, areas. And this was even, this started in 1993, so it was before the internet was really, um, you know, out there. But I had I had the good fortune of going to Intuit and working um, under Scott Cook and others. And um, you know, Scott was really this brilliant mind at bringing consumer empathy and insights into into really the software world for the first time. It's funny we call it design thinking now. Mm-hmm. And I teach uh, at Stanford mm-hmm. Business School as well, and we teach you know design thinking. But um, you know, Scott really instilled mm-hmm. in all of us at Intuit like how do we really understand customer problems? Mm-hmm. And I think he was one of the first to realize that life event changes. You know, marketers have always known that's a really good time to reach people mm-hmm. because their minds, their world's going to change, so they're mm-hmm. open to new things. So at Intuit, because it was a personal finance company, that meant let's help people with buying a home and and all of that but because I was in the mode of trying to start a company with a friend I literally just was in a in a kind of brainstorm innovation meeting at the start of the internet and just started with you know you graduate high school you graduate college you get married and when I came to having kids my wife and I were a couple years away from kids and I realized I knew nothing about the world I would walk down the street and you'd see a baby stroller and be like I've never seen a baby store where do people get this so I had this kind of visceral early reaction that wow you know, the biggest life change of all, you know, parenting, the internet was going to be a good place to kind of create that one place to go to get everything that you need. And so it was really that simple idea um, mm-hmm. that got Baby Center started. And, and and was it an immediate success or what were the what were the early days of Baby Center like? Yeah, it's funny because the other part of what I teach, you know, if you teach entrepreneurship is design thinking and lean startup. And I think I lean start learned lean startup just by the nature of back in the mid 90s. The internet was going, but there was this sort of backlash that consumer internet is not really going to work. There were Yahoo and InfoSeek and companies like that, but oh no, that was, you know, hype and it wasn't going to last. So we were able to raise money, but we kind of were a very small team. And um, I think that focus allowed us to be, you know, kind of, um, I think, get to the key of entrepreneurial success, which is just be super focused on one particular um, problem and use case. And, you know, we did, I think we got both lucky and we were at the right time in the right place and we built the right product. So we launched in, you know, probably like 1997 and, you know, it started growing slowly at first, but I think we built a better mousetrap. The other companies out there were approaching it. I was ironic. They were all women's sites with hundreds of millions raised. And then here were two guys without kids saying, you know, I think baby and, you know, pregnancy and baby is, is different. Um, and again, I think coming back to that design thinking point, I think I think it helped that we weren't, um, you know, we hadn't had children ourselves, and we weren't, you know, pregnant women was our mm-hmm. primary audience, even though we served moms and dads and pregnancy and, mm-hmm. and baby. We were able to bring that kind of beginner's mindset mm-hmm. and just question everything. Mm-hmm. And so what we realized is that pregnant women in particular, and really new parents as well, like the world changes so much week to week that mm-hmm. if you could... Uh, personalize exactly literally to the week of, of, of pregnancy of what changed and what's different and speak their language, you could really, you know, you could create something that would, you know, be successful. And I think it happened. It was, you know, free information to a very motivated audience. And so it spread very quickly by word of mouth and, and took off from there. I think we were also lucky that we were there at the start of the mm-hmm. internet. Um, but I've now come back to the you know early childhood world. I've been in touch with people at Baby Center, but I haven't had a formal role for you know over 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was yeah, surprised to see that it hadn't been displaced, that it's still a, a top resource. And mm-hmm. I think that's because we 
you know, we really understood the user need. We built a very comprehensive yet personalized and personal product. What were some of your big challenges um, in those early years of starting it, either either just as an internet company or as an early childhood company? Yeah, well, it's funny. The challenges uh, were everywhere because nothing existed. We had to build our own, uh, you know, content management system that we called Baby Enter because there was nothing like that because we wanted to create personalized information. Um, We had to we had a store at the time as well. So we were both products. Uh, sorry, um, information was our main thing that we did, kind of personalized pregnancy and parenting information, a retail store, and we actually had a health information business as well. So we had to we had to do everything. We had to build our own warehouse that huh. was now where the, the ballpark is, the, the parking lot for the San Francisco ballpark. Huh. Uh, there was no software to manage orders. Um, so we just, uh, there's no real good software to build websites. We had to bring in people who didn't know anything about the internet and get them to say, how can you build a vibrant community and how can you personalize this information? So it was, it was all new, but, you know, we had a, I think a driving focus on this is our audience. Mm-hmm. We knew what the need was. Um, we knew that it was hard because we had to be, again, have both encyclopedic deep content that was reviewed by medical experts mm-hmm. and a great personal tone mm-hmm. and a vibrant community. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we, Again, back to that lean startup, I think we were able to be very focused, um, very close to the problem with mm-hmm. a small team, and we could get lots of data on what was being used. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to iterate our way to something that, you know, I think sort of has lodged its way into an important part of people's lives. So you touched on this, but, but why do you think it's persisted? Like, why is it that, why would, you know, why is it that I'm still using Baby yeah. Center and... Um, yeah. Why is that? Yeah, I think it's because we did four or five things. That each one would be hard, and we made them all work together. So one, as I mentioned, is you have to be in this authoritative resource. So we built up a kind of authoritative and encyclopedic content so that if you had a question, you know, pr- pretty much about any topic, general or specific, that that if you turned first place to Baby Center, it was there for you. Mm-hmm. We also had to be very personal. And, you know, the actually the comment I get most from people outside of the surprise, what, two guys without kids started Baby Center? Because <laughs> it's, you know, speaks so personally to uh, women during pregnancy and early parenting. It's sort of, sort of in addition to having encyclopedic content mm-hmm. is it had to have a real personal tone because it's yeah. just such an emotional and fun time that you're going through. And so the, the main reaction I get from people now when I say I started Baby Center outside of being you know, two guys started, ba- two guys without kids started babysitter is, oh, I got those emails from when I was early pregnant and I saw that my, you know, the fetus was the size of a walnut and, you know, an almond, a walnut. And, and when you uh, get to mango, you start getting really excited. Yeah, you get right. Yeah. But people, and I talk to people who say that's the nickname, you know, like my whole family still calls it that. So I think we were able to, you know, sort of not just be this clinical, like, you know, expert resource, but have something that was like personal and fun. Um, I, the third was that it was personalized like that. And that was really hard to say, how do you create flavors of of content that are exactly right for for each stage. And then there's a community element, so you need expertise, but we were able to build a vibrant community. And those don't just come naturally. I think it helped that we anchored it in expert content. But then we spent a lot of time just kind of coming up with intuitions about what would bring people together, you know, what was too, not too narrow and not too broad. uh, And then looking at the evidence. So we, I remember we just started with this blank slate and no one was posting on the community. And we said, well, you know, okay, it's not going to be weekly. Let's create monthly, um, Mm -hmm. you know, July, 1998. That was probably our first Mm -hmm. month, July, 1998 babies. And that brought moms together. Mm -hmm. Then we created special interest topics. And once Mm -hmm. it got going like that, if you cultivated the community the right way, Mm -hmm. it would grow. So really we had to put together encyclopedic content, personalized information, personal information, uh, and this kind of vibrant community. And once you get those all together, it's kind of that, you know, like with a lot of 
of startups and products, you have this flywheel effect mm. where it's just, you know, more people and, and uh, traffic and insights from customers lead to improvements. Mm. And so you left Baby Center and you went on to do a number of different things, including starting Merced Systems, which mm. was a really successful company, which is successfully acquired. Um, and then you came back to early childhood a few years ago. Two years right. ago, is that right? Yeah, that's right. After So I kind of built along with the same co-founder two companies in a very different um, world. The other was an analytics software company um, uh, kind of around performance management. Um, ironically, I learned a lot about behavior change, which is uh, applicable in early childhood for, for new parents. But um, what at that point is I said, you know, I don't think I want to go back and just do this again, start another company and grow it. Um, but I, I liked, uh, you know, the, the world of startups and, and growing companies. And I had, as I mentioned, education. I had worked, I was the CFO for a brief period of time of Teach for America in its second year of operation. So ironically, that was my introduction to entrepreneurship because it was a real entrepreneurial organization organization going into its second year. I didn't realize it was that early. It was very early. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so because of that, I just was involved in a number of other educational organizations as Mm -hmm. they started, um, you know, new schools, venture fund and and KIPP and others. So I had always worked a little bit on the side in, in um, K-12 education, but when I freed up and said, I didn't want to run one company, but I wanted to sort of help another generation of entrepreneurs uh, and get involved more in a kind of, you know, some sort of community, um, Effort. I just, the, I always had the tug back to early childhood because mm-hmm. I saw with Baby Center, both just personally, how the more you reach people earlier, you know, the, the more influence you can have. Mm-hmm. But really, Baby Center, I mean, now it's changed dramatically, but in the early days, you know, it was primarily serving well educated parents who were on the internet. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, from all of my work in education, you'd, and it's only gotten worse, you just see this widening gap between the haves and the have nots. Mm-hmm. And so I just always had that tug that mm-hmm. there aren't enough people working on this really important. Um, uh, problem. So about three or four years ago, I just started, um, you know, sort of just introducing myself to the field. uh, And I had credibility and some knowledge from from Baby Center. And one thing led to another. I wasn't eager to start another organization after, like I said, but um, it just became the right thing to do. There were enough people in the field who were running big social service uh, agencies or were, you know, philanthropic investors. And they were saying, you know, there are definitely a movement towards there's entrepreneurial ventures that are growing both for-profit and non-profit, but it's just too hard a path. And I had seen enough of other fields where once you built an entrepreneurial ecosystem, it became this, you know, virtuous um, cycle of, you know, entrepreneurial ecosystems attracted more talent, attracted more mm-hmm. ideas, attracted more capital, both investment capital and philanthropic capital mm-hmm. that could exist for, uh, you know, air, industries like K-12 education or higher ed or digital health um, or global, you know, uh, you know, economic development mm-hmm. uh, um you know, and it could exist for regions. If you look at cities, they develop an entrepreneurial ecosystem. So a bunch of us just said, you know, we there are ways that we can kind of give a boost. There was already a field there, but we can give a boost to it. And so that's where Promise came from. We call ourselves a venture studio because we're not just doing one thing. We're doing several integrated programs, all designed around making people more aware of this problem, um, more understanding of what you can do, because there's a lot that you can do, and I want to get to that, uh, and then help them get on a better path to success. So the primary uh, work, I mean, we do things to attract people to the field, but primarily what we do is uh, we call support mm-hmm. and connect. So support is we look like an accelerator in some ways, except we're all focused on early childhood. Um, we're agnostic as to business models. So about half of the organizations we support are for-profit and half are non-profit. Mm-hmm. Um, we 
um, you know, run workshops to educate them on everything from all the traditional accelerator activities. How do you define your problem? How do you build your product and solution? How do you build your team? How do you fundraise for it? To things that are needed in early childhood, uh, particularly because we're focused on the opportunity gap, really understanding how can you have impact. So bringing more of the science in, bringing more of the new, newer techniques around impact and measurement, uh, and helping people with funding streams beyond just in investments, because it is a nascent uh, field, and we do need to figure out how to bring more more capital in. And then the connecting part is helping these ventures uh, can you know, and again, they can be existing ventures that are looking to scale or new ventures that are looking to break in. Connect them to sources of capital, philanthropic or investment capital. Connecting them to potential customers, uh, and then connecting them to experts and mentors that can. Um, help And we really, this fall, we did our first event with Sesame Workshop, with Amidiar Network uh, and Promise Venture Studio. And we had, we got 50 of the top um, kind of promising innovations in the field and put them on a stage, had them do something that was unnatural for most of them, condense what they do down to three minutes. It's natural here in Silicon Valley to do that, but not natural elsewhere. And then had 150 people who spanned the gamut from investors to philanthropists to people in government uh, to academics. And uh, I think it was a really transformative event and opening people's eyes to how much innovation there is in the field, um, yet how much more potential we have to go for every idea where it was like, wow, this is really impressive, all the things we're seeing. It's we're nowhere near where we need to be to have the impact for uh, for children today. Uh, and there were second order effects. Just that idea of, of really sharpening people's thinking and communicating clearly allows you to have a much greater uh, flow of information. So it's kind of amazing. We've had a bunch of existing organizations say, wow, you really transformed. I'm now pushing my team to do, you know, very brief updates and we're getting more ideas out mm-hmm. there. We're forcing ourselves to be more, more innovative. Yeah, it was a fantastic event. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. It was such an interesting cross section, which I think you need when it, when it comes to early childhood. Yes. And we did, we worked really hard at that and I don't think we got it perfect, but I've been to enough events of you really had, it's kind of like the community point with baby center. You really have to curate it carefully of making sure all, all, all groups are represented there and that no one group is dominant. So we wanted to make sure there weren't too many investors or too many foundation people or too many entrepreneurs. Um, and, and again, we are now looking to move into our second year to doing uh, those kind of uh, essentially demo days, if you will, on a much broader scale and do them virtually so that we can, um, you know, ensure that any kind of any venture out there, any organization that wants to figure out how to attract more, you know, uh, more capital uh, to expand, um, you know, focus more on generating, you know, getting to a bigger scale or, or impact that we attract all of them. And then it's natural for, you know, kind of any you know, foundation uh, or impact investor or traditional investor to say, hey, this is a really an efficient way for me to get a pulse of the whole landscape and then be able to drill in more deeply on any particular venture. Can you share uh, a few of the companies or nonprofits from your last cohort? I know you're excited about all of them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but one or two that you, they, they think are particularly, particularly exciting that sort of showcase, uh, showcase what's going on in the space. Well, rather than play favorites, and, you know, we're not, to be clear, we're not a funder. We're sort of more of like a, you know, accelerator, like we provide um, support and and expertise. So rather than highlight any particular names, Mm -hmm. I can refer people if you go to uh, promisestudio.org. We have a comprehensive venture Mm -hmm. index that we're building out. We're trying to make it the essentially the crunch base for early childhood Mm -hmm. innovation. Mm -hmm. So there you can go and sort and filter um, by any of the different characteristics, whether Mm -hmm. you're interested in for-profits or Mm non-profits or earlier uh, you know, upstream zero, one, mm-hmm. two, you know, parents of early uh, ages or 
you know, or, or uh, pre-K a little bit later. Um, and then you can see that, that we have the demos up there as well. So what I'll focus on is more of, of categories. And I think what, you know, what I heard, and it's one of the surprises, is just there is more innovation going on, and it's kind of across the board. The one that's probably most visible is in the childcare world. It's a super fragmented world. But there are, I think, something like 750,000, uh, you know, sort of early education and, and daycare facilities uh, in, the, in the U.S. And technology has now gotten good at being able to um, you know, connect those in a way that you or and serve them in a way you couldn't do in the past. So like companies like MindBody have done with, mm. you know, nail salons, it's, mm. you know, and, and yoga studios, there are a lot of people working on trying to provide support for, uh, for um, daycare, you know, and whether that's in-home care or center-based mm. care. Um, and it's not just about, it's, it's, it's a couple things. One, it's about making them more viable enterprises. Um, and there are some that are doing this with nonprofit Montessori schools that are some of them doing it with kind of for-profit small, um, you know, um, businesses, um, making these businesses viable and particularly making them viable for, um, uh, you know, for, uh, families lower on the income scale is something that you can actually do with technology. So there's mm-hmm. ventures that are helping connect, those organizations better to subsidies. There are for-profit and non-profit companies helping people run them better as a business. And there are people thinking about what you can do with scale, bringing better, essentially, curriculum and support in. Because we talked about early childhood. So much of it is about, it's not about just providing care, which is historically how people have thought about the early years. It's about certainly providing care and security and support, but layering on, you know, developmentally appropriate activities so that you you know, focus on the brain development opportunities that are mm-hmm. so critical in the early days. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot around childcare quality, mm-hmm. childcare supply. Um, there is um, a lot around assessments and data. Um, and, you know, it's not like we want to get to a world where there's lots of testing here, but there's lots of sources of data that you can generate very early. And a lot of this is driven by academics. Um, it's one interesting thing about the field is there are more academics who are creating innovations than there are relatively in other fields. Mm-hmm. And so executive function is one of the core mm-hmm. skills that's developed early in childhood. The most sensitive years for executive function are in that sort of very early two, three-year-old um, mm-hmm. Range and there are ways that you can measure that, um, and so there are companies that you know some of them are coming out of academia, mm-hmm. um, some kind of from social entrepreneurs that are working on better measuring executive function, mm-hmm. uh, and even earlier there are some academics that are looking. I mean, you can measure kind of the the gaps uh, in children, you know, going back to to birth at age mm-hmm. two months before kids are even verbalizing. There are groups working on showing just by how children's eye movement mm-hmm. goes and tracking an object that you point mm-hmm. to, you can see how well the brain is developing. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of assessment uh, and data companies uh, across the board. Um, there's a lot of curriculum by curriculum. It's not really curriculum, but kind of activities to, you know, to uh, focus on executive function and social emotional learning, but also some computational, uh, you know, math, uh, early literacy things that happen early. Mm -hmm. And then a lot is also not just around the child, it's around the mother and the family. So a lot around maternal health, maternal, uh, you know, depression Mm -hmm. is a big Mm -hmm. issue and there's a lot that can be done Mm -hmm. there. Breaking the cycle of poverty, which is Mm -hmm. ultimately what this is about, requires Mm -hmm. a two-generation solution. Mm -hmm. So again, I can go on and on, but Mm -hmm. there are a lot of different categories like that. And within each one, there's, you know, several interesting ventures. You mentioned innovation around childcare. Last year, we saw both traditional venture capitalists as well as a large-scale PE investor make high-profile investments in that space in childcare. Uh, Bessemer Venture Partners led an investment in Bright Wheels, 21 million Series B. There's Andreessen Horowitz led um, investment in Wonder Schools, 20 million Series A. Um, There's the Warburg acquisition of Procare. 
Um, education in general has been a space that traditional venture has been a little bit wary of. And then with early childhood, it's, it's a space where they've been very wary of. Um, is this an attractive? Is this an attractive market for traditional venture capitalists? Why or why not? Uh, well, I am. I know lots of venture capitalists. I'm not one myself, so I'll defer more to you on that. <laughs> but I do. You are seeing. I think people are realizing the market is is big enough. Again, it's this very fragmented market. Um, there's a lot in education. There's a lot in health in this market. So I think people. You know, um, essentially, technology is allowing you to access these markets and connect in ways that you couldn't in the past. So I do think you will see that as a continuing trend. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, with our focus at Promise, where we're, you know, we want to work particularly to try to, uh, you know, close the opportunity gap, the ability to reach low-income families, there are, you know, Head Start, which actually has whole innovation initiatives that we're working with, you know, reaches over a million kids. There's a lot of programs that I think will allow people to reach um, uh, you know, family at scale reach mm-hmm. uh, low-income families. Also through the healthcare system. I mean, mm-hmm. Medicaid. A lot of you know, a huge percentage of new families are on Medicaid right now. Mm-hmm. So I think actually both for higher-income families as well as lower-income families, there's um, some interesting trends in technology that investors are are catching up with. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, and you started touching on this, but you, but you can't talk about early childhood without talking about issues of equity, and that's really the um, ultimately, the, the the reason why uh, you started uh, Promise Studio, mm-hmm. uh, and because it's a private market or mostly a private market, uh, inequity is perhaps even more pronounced than in, than it is in K twelve, mm-hmm. um, and might cause some of the inequity that we see in K twelve. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how do you think about that at Promise Studio? How has that influenced how you've designed Promise Studio? Right. What are some things going on uh, to, to address inequity that you're excited mm-hmm. about? You know, obviously at Promise, that's a lot of what we think about equity. First, we're trying to um, create a broad tent. So we're working with innovators who are also working on solutions that aren't directly serving low-income mm-hmm. families today, but could over time. Baby Center is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Over time, it's gone from serving kind of more... Uh, higher income parents on the uh, internet when the internet first started to now, you know, uh, serving all kinds of um, uh, different um, uh, families. Um, but specifically, I think it goes back to what we talked about at the, the start of our conversation, that we just need more public awareness about how important the early years are, that they really matter, um, that there are things that we can do in the early years. There's a whole bunch of innovations in the science. We talked about some of them like executive function, but there are others around the nature of resilience. There are some interesting work going on around biomarkers where you can mm-hmm. see sources of stress early. So we, we actually understand, you know, the science and we have some proven small scale programs that we can have an impact. Um, the technology has shown that we can connect this disparate ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about getting all of these groups together and then policymakers to realize we can, you know, that this is an area we should invest more in. And much as I would love to see lots of dollars come into mm-hmm. the field because it's justified mm-hmm. uh, on any level, um, you know, on the, the moral level of giving everyone an equal start on the economic level of helping everyone live up to their full potential or a societal level. I'm a realist that there's, we're not in an era of huge, you know, growing um, uh, budgets, but I think you see dollars shifting into the field now. Mm-hmm. And I think if we combine that policy focus together with a kind of an entrepreneurial focus of, you know, let's, how can we use those dollars really effectively? How can we 
you know, do programs in a new way. Much of the innovation that happened in this field happened in the 70s and 80s, groups like Nurse Family Partnership that do maternal home visiting programs that show if you send educators into the home to educate parents, it can make a real difference. Those programs pay off. You know, updating those programs with 20th first century technologies uh, and research around motivation science, um, I think, can make them much more effective. So it'll not only revitalize existing programs, but bring whole new ones in. So I think if we, you know, that's what we're about at Promise is entrepreneurship is just the small catalyst mm. that galvanizes this whole field to um, address what I think is the greatest you know, social problem that we're paying the least attention to. Does it feel different to be working in it 20 years later? Like, is it have the tides shifted or are the conversations the same? I, I think, well, what's interesting is the tides have shifted um, and it's at an accelerating rate. I've been, it's been about four or five years that I've been kind of coming back into this field again with a social impact lens and just the number of people involved, the conversations, the awareness is growing. And I mentioned I also teach entrepreneurship at, at Stanford and five years ago there was almost no one interested in early childhood. Now when I go to education events, uh, you know, a couple of years ago there were one or two that were interested and the others kind of looked around and said, huh, now you get questions about it regularly. So I think we're starting to get to that point um, and we have a long way to go where people will, you know, recognize that um, that this really matters. Um, you know, we talked about more investment dollars flowing in. So I think we're at the you know beginning period of this sort of like green shoots that are out there. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're, we're doing this um, right now. We think that we can help accelerate this and have this field look fundamentally different, you know, five years from now. Well, terrific. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. I I really enjoyed this conversation. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks.